especially some of you cadets, hopefully you got some sleep in your own beds at home. Uh, definitely Father Andrew, Father Will and I had a good Christmas here. Things were a little bit slower, so we got to visit some friends and family, which is a nice time as well. So it's awesome to just be able to start off this new year together and in a couple of days start off that new semester. So enjoy the last 24 hours before the studies start, right? So uh, it's great to be back here with y'all. It's such an honor this evening, uh, especially as it warmed up a little bit today, which is a great gift as well. So uh, today we hear about, in our gospel, we hear about the wedding at Cana. You know, here at St. Mary's, we do a lot of weddings, which is an awesome gift, probably 60 a year or something like that, which is great. You know, we want people to get married and have holy marriages and have lots of kids and have great big Catholic families. It's awesome, you know, that we can take over the world, right? <laughs> it's coming. All right. A couple weeks ago, there's a couple that I married, who I saw are here, and I'm going to embarrass them a little bit because they ran off on their honeymoon and they didn't get to come here to Mass, even though they, I know they went uh, at another parish. But if Devin and Sabina White could stand, and then we can give them a round of applause, our newlyweds. <laughs> I know Devin's in the Corps of Cadets and uh, even serving in the so definitely a safety for them as they move on later on, I think, this next semester. So, But a great gift to have them here in any married couple because a married couple, and I say this sometimes at weddings, you know, they're a symbol for all of us and to the world of the love that God has for us. So we heard in our first scripture today, the first reading from Isaiah, that God wants to espouse us, his people, that we are his delight, that he sends Jesus who's called the bridegroom, as we saw in Isaiah. So Jesus, the bridegroom, the groom who's coming to save the bride, the bride being us, the church. And so we even here, you know, if you ever thought, why was Jesus's first miracle, his first public miracle at a wedding, at a wedding feast, at a reception? You know, why wasn't it on the Sea of Galilee of raising someone from the dead or uh, multiplying the loaves and the fishes or hearing, healing the blind man? You know, why was this first miracle at a wedding? What is God pointing us to? He's helping us to see that Jesus is truly this bridegroom who desires to be in relationship, a spousal relationship with us, his bride. A spousal relationship, that's an intimate relationship. You know, our God is not just a concept. He's not just this being in outer space. He is a person, the person of Jesus Christ, who desires for you and I to be in relationship with him. Just as a married couple commits their life to each other before God and before their friends and family, that they give themselves to him, to each other as husband and wife, that they become one flesh. So too, you and I, God desires for us to be in intimate communion with him. He desires to woo us, even as a young couple woos each other and then goes off into marriage. That he wants to be able to reveal his love to us and then for us to return that love to him. And the beautiful thing is, is that our God will never turn his back on us. So even if maybe over this break, sometimes when we go home, especially if our family's not practicing the faith, it can be hard to live out our faith. You know, maybe we connect with old friends that are maybe in different places than we are. Maybe we have a hard time with arguing with our parents or our brothers and sisters. The beautiful thing is we come back to Aggieland, the Lord says, let's recommit again. You know, just as a married couple, every morning that they wake up, are called to recommit to their love to each other. Also, our God, we're able to recommit to him, and he accepts us time and time and time again. So it's a beautiful thing as we come back to Agling, no matter whether break was really awesome in terms of the faith or was really hard. 
that we can start anew right now to journey into this semester as God's people, as his bride. And you know, in the, the gospel today, we hear, you know, Mary, Jesus' mom, is asking him to do a favor so that the couple's not embarrassed, right? Because they have this faux pot at the reception where they ran out of wine. You know, a good thing about being Catholics is, yeah, we're allowed to have wine, right, and alcohol. It's, it's a good thing. Jesus says it's a time, always a moderation, right? But it's a way of rejoicing, of celebrating. I mean, and we even see that in Scripture, and so Jesus wants this couple that he's attending their wedding feast, which is in the Jewish custom seven days long. Um, he wants them to be able to celebrate and rejoice, and he wants everyone there to also have a good time. And so that's why he performs this miracle to be able to start showing who he is, that he's not just another prophet, that he's not a miracle worker, but that he is the son of God, the Messiah who is to come. Now, if you hear in scripture, he says to his mother, Mary, he says, my hour has not yet come. Because what she's asking him to do, this miracle that he's performing, is starting to reveal that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. When he's talking about that hour, though, he's talking about his crucifixion. And so he said, it's not time yet for me to save the world through my death on the cross. But he is obedient to his mother, and in a certain way, Mary is helping Jesus to start his public ministry, that he's starting to lay down his life on the cross at this wedding feast. Through his first public miracle, he's starting to reveal who he is. He's starting to give himself to the bride, so that ultimately, through his years of ministry, then he's able to give his life on the cross, the ultimate gift for our salvation, the ultimate sign of love. You know, we could even say every cross that we see is like a wedding ring that God gives to us. So just as a wedding ring is a sign of a husband and a wife, a reminder of their fidelity to each other, their faithfulness to each other, their love for each other, so too the cross is a reminder for each one of us of how much God loves us, that he will always be faithful, no matter if we stray. And so a great gift for us at this cross and we gaze upon it, whether it's on our rosaries in our dorm room, whether it's here in the church, that it can always be a reminder of the bridegroom who gives his life, not just for us collectively, but for you individually as the bride. So we hear also that, you know, Jesus doesn't just turn a little bit of water into wine, right? He does a lot of wine, which shows that he wants to give generously to us. You know, he wants to give generously to the bride, to that couple at that wedding, and also to us. And that's what he's inviting us into, a flourishing life. The Christian life is not meant to be one to keep us captive, but to help us to flourish and to live freely. And so the commandments and the rules that sometimes we think is our faith, no, they're there to help us live a flourishing life, to help us show the way to a life of flourishing, whereas the way of the world will lead to the captivity of sin. And so Jesus blesses us abundantly. And so he wants to continue to take whatever water in our life is, and transform it into a wine, a wine that will lead us to him, a wine that can then can be transformed into his very blood that we have during the Mass, the blood of Jesus Christ. My friends, you know, at the end of our life, we will have a decision, you know, a decision of whether we reject or accept the Lord. And just as Jesus laid down his life and started to lay down his life at the wedding at Cana, all the way until he finally did on the cross, you know, now is the time for us to make that decision. The more that we follow Jesus now, the more that we lay down our life with him, then at the end of our life, whenever that may be, 
We're going to be able to accept him and say yes to him as Lord and Savior at the end of our life because we've been doing it every single day that we've lived on this earth. Because the awesome thing is, is that the wedding doesn't just happen here in this life, whether it's your own personal wedding or the one that Jesus invites you into. The wedding extends into heaven. And we even hear in the book of Revelation that there's this eternal wedding feast of the Lamb. You know that the bridegroom is waiting for us, waiting for us individually, waiting for us as a people, so that we can be in communion and union with him in a way that we can't even imagine and will lead into eternal bliss for the rest of our lives, for the rest of eternity. And the beautiful thing as Catholics is, you know, that wedding feast starts here on this altar so that every single Mass that Jesus, who gives his life and his body for us on the cross, also gives us his body in the Eucharist. And the way that we're able to consume his body, just as a husband and wife also unite as one flesh, that the bridegroom enters into us in a mystical and an intimate way. Whenever we receive him, we become more like him. And the more that we become more like him, the more that we'll be led to heaven one day. So my friends, as we start this new semester, as you're moving back into dorms, as you're moving back in uh, to your living situations and starting off your schedule, you know, spend some time with the bridegroom. He wants to encounter you. He wants to grow deeper with you in relationship because he loves you so much, not just as a human family, but you particularly. So let's start off this semester walking with the bridegroom. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.